Hi, welcome to Unpacking Mental Health. I'm your host, Jenna Brown. I'll be having conversations with people about their mental health journey and sharing experiences and insights that we've learned. So thanks for listening. I hope you can take away some tips and tricks that will help you on your journey. Today, I'm talking with my wonderful friend, Steph Griffith, who has bravely joined the podcast to talk about her experience with mental health. Steph is going to talk to us about her experience with anxiety, depression, and disordered eating. Welcome, Steph. It's great to have you on Unpacking Mental Health. It's great to be here. All right. So tell me, Steph, what has your mental health journey looked like from birth to now? Well, where do we start? (laughs) Teenage years or before then? Um, My uh, journey, mine's actually very clear cut. I can remember um, exactly when it started for me. I have a very vivid memory of being in primary school Mm -hmm. and I was hanging out, it was after school and I was hanging out with some friends in a classroom waiting for my big sister to finish school and uh, my brother's friend's sister um, saw me for the first time. I hadn't seen her for a while and she walked into this classroom and she stopped and she looked at me she's like holy shit you got fat and so that was the comment she made she was younger than me so I was probably nine or ten right and I was going through just the normal kind of baby fat chubby stays but so her initial reaction was to be like whoa like you've got really fat right and I remember feeling like I'd been slapped in the face yeah and I was so mortified because there were these people you know my friends are around me there yeah. people around embarrassing and I just felt like I was thrust into the spotlight and that everybody was looking at me and I just was so humiliated and from that point I it's that's when everything started for me so it might seem like a really small thing but that was where my um, where I became conscious of my weight and what I looked like. And one of the main fears that came out of that and something I still work with um, or work on is when I'm going to see someone for the first time who I haven't seen in a long time, my oh. first initial anxiety is, shit, I hope that I look better than I did when they last saw me. So like, right. I'm always very conscious about if I'm going to see someone, what they're going to think or what they're going to compare me to. So that lingering feeling of, like, stays with you even now all these years later. Wow. So obviously not probably so um, intensely now that I'm, you know, happier in my own skin, but it definitely still flares up. Like, I'll I'll always have that initial thought of, oh, shit, I haven't seen them. And I think back to how I looked when I last saw them. Oh. Oh, gosh, and I just get this little bit of kind of anxiety around what they're going to think. Is it always weight related or? Um, well, now that I'm getting a little bit older and I'm starting to get little lines on my face, oh, it's probably so it's everything. <laughs> now it's like this whole new right. area. It's but being yeah, judged on your appearance generally. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like a very vain way to, to think. No, I think that's a normal response, especially if you've been embarrassed so severely in front of people yeah. then that you've just taken that on now. Yeah, so that was kind of where it all started, and I pretty much kick-started my um, eating disorder. Okay, so what did that look like as a child, like going through teenage years? So I remember very clearly through intermediate and certainly my first year of high school that I um, everything I ate was evil. Right. <laughs> like I, I remember I would go through the day, and there would be some days where I would eat an apple and that would be it and anything else that I ate I would um it would just play on my mind constantly 
and I'd be constantly feeling like I was doing something naughty or it's a very strange thing to actually try and verbalize and explain out loud but um, I also um, then started getting into bulimia so I would eat and then throw up Purge, yeah yeah and that was pretty much through most of my high school years right so yeah. like in every meal type of thing or if you're only eating one meal a day you're um, I think so. If it's hard to kind of pinpoint because yeah. I, um, at the same time, was going through a bunch of other stuff, which added stress, <laughs> to, added yeah. stuff to my whole mental health journey. Um, but with just if I just isolate out the eating disorder, I remember being in my mid to late teens, and I got to a point where I my body actually would reject the food for me because right. I had gotten so used to doing that that I could and some of my closest friends will probably remember or will know that if I ate pretty soon after I I'd be throwing up and not even by trying to like I wouldn't have to actually go into the bathroom and do it I could actually my body would just reject it right so it got yeah it got pretty bad it affected my mind a lot I think mostly what I struggled with was the um was the mental side of it so the mental health side of it but thankfully <clears throat> thankfully I never had any physical health issues from okay. it I did see uh, a handful of um counselors and stuff throughout the years to try and help me with it but I think essentially I was kind of the one that managed to curve it all. Okay. Um, so obviously your parents were aware of it at the time yeah. and were supportive through that whole... Yeah. Um, I think the whole family was kind of aware of it. I would disappear after. Okay. It was very obvious. I didn't think it was that obvious, but it was very much known in the household that I had a problem. Okay. Um, and I think it was probably talked more between people than it was actually directly to me. Okay. But I did have um, definite interventions of people trying to help and, you know, trying to make me realise that it wasn't actually a healthy way of trying to deal with things. So. Yeah. so if there's a parent listening now who have a daughter or son experiencing that same kind of thing, what would you say to them to support their Oh, that's a tough team. one. Because if I think back, I don't think there was really ever anything that anyone could have said. Like, it, it might sound really unhelpful, but it really does come from within. Mm-hmm. And that I think the main thing is just to have that support and that may even just look like, you know, someone being there to cuddle you or to tell you, you know, it's going to be okay. As, as kind of meaningless as that may sound, I think anything else, like trying to control it, trying to um, threaten with, you know, hospitalization or trying mm. to, you know. Force therapy or something <clears throat> like this. Yeah, trying to do that, I don't think will ever work. Um, well, for me personally, I didn't feel like that ever helped. Um, if anything, it would in a weird way kind of fuel the motivation because it's like you already don't have a lot of control over what you're doing in a mental health sense Mm -hmm. but when people are you know trying to force you to do something you almost feel like you are in control because you are doing something that's going against what people are telling you to do like I know that sounds kind of odd as a growing teen that was kind of the control that I had over no one can actually force you to change what's going in and out of your mouth yeah I think it was always interesting because people would like people like my mother or my sister would say you know um that you know they would kind of tell me that I was not you know you're not fat you're you're 
you're just being so you know not not in a way that they were saying oh you're being stupid but mm. they were just trying to reassure you. reassure me that I looked fine and then in my head I was like well of course you'd say that because you're my mother you're mm. you know parents like as hard as that is unfortunately it's just kind of the way it is when it comes to children and rebelling and doing stuff like that anything that your parents say you're you know I invalid always, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in a way it kind of can be because you're like well of course you're going to tell me I'm beautiful because you love me and you are biased and you think I'm beautiful so yeah. that was always and they don't want to see you suffer so yeah and that was always kind of my narrative it was like well you know anything she said I I of course you would say that you know unfortunately I think it really does come from within it has to be something that you know possibly um something that people could do is educate you know around nutrition like I always felt that if I ate something I would then put on weight so it's like the looking back on that now it's completely absurd because food you know food is our fuel that's what keeps you going it's what you know makes your brain function it's what keeps your whole body you know alive and your mind healthy as well (laughs) and your mind healthy so it's like if there was more education in schools around nutrition or around exercise and health and healthy eating rather than yeah, or what foods promote good health and are balanced for your weight yeah. management and all these other types of or things. even just understanding how foods can actually aid in and not in weight loss I don't want to say weight loss because as a child you shouldn't be thinking that way but you know you look at some people that um you know exercise or, or do weightlifting or <clears throat> any of these sports sorry, with a really strict diet mm. but a lot of it involves a lot of food yeah absolutely like your macro counting and proteins and different things it's interesting you say that children shouldn't be thinking about weight loss I think now with social media and Mm. kids at a younger and younger age looking at people and looking at their bodies you know when you're that age I think with social media it's so prevalent now that people are looking at their bodies sooner and mm. food and diet and all these things are problematic you know it's they're comparing terrifying. themselves we didn't ha- I didn't have that as a kid Neither. did you no. no I I can't even fathom the thought of having social media stuff like Instagram TikTok going through high school high school was hard enough or like teenage years was hard enough without all of that influence I mean we had magazines even that was enough to, you know, you pick up a magazine and I remember, you know, seeing the models and all the beautiful mm. actresses and stuff and yep. even that was enough to to trigger those thoughts. So I can't even imagine what it's like for teenagers these days. Yeah. I think one of the other things as well with social is the filters and things that people mm. use. So it's actually not even reality. Like mm. you can't even get to look like that at all ever because no yeah. one's skin is that perfect or, mm. you know, that whole body image thing is quite crazy yeah as selfish as it sounds I'm just so grateful that I didn't have that as an extra element for my journey because I don't know how that would have made it that much harder yeah I agree I'm Mm. glad that I didn't have that to Mm. go through either so your experience with um depression Mm. when did that start and what is that or not when did it start (laughs) but like when have you noticed that having an impact on your life? Um, It's actually going to be quite fascinating um, listening to this back because I think a lot of people that know who I am now or even just in the last eight to ten years of my life, um, if they'd not known me prior, would be very surprised at a lot of 
stuff. Difference um, in your growth. Yeah, or just even at, at the stuff that I guess I've been through or the person that I used to be because I, I look back on the person who I was and I don't really um, resonate with that. Like, and, and it's not that I have any regrets or I... Um, or I haven't cut her off. It. Yeah, I haven't cut her <laughs> off. Like she's still very much there. But yeah. even it, it kind of surprises me sometimes when I look at back, you know, look back on the person that I was. So, coupled with obviously going through the eating disorder from a young age, so eight or nine, with that starting, um, when I was about thirteen, so I was in third form, so very much in the in the depths of eating disorders and insecurities. Yeah, I think, so my first sexual experience was not by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is really what kick-started the snowball of um, my depression, anxiety, all the kind of stuff that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just being very bitter a lot of the time and very angry. And so I turned to things that helped numb that so I experimented at a very young age so I was drinking a lot of alcohol smoking a lot of marijuana which actually became um, my main go-to was marijuana so I used to smoke a lot of marijuana um, a lot of the time yeah as Um, a coping tool as a coping tool and um, yeah I guess you know young people tend to like to experiment anyway but I guess for me it was also a way of you know escaping in mm-hmm. a way, which made it a lot worse because with depressants come depression yeah right <laughs> you know so do you the, think you had the depression symptoms prior to the alcohol and drugs or do you think that was a effect of the alcohol and drugs i think it's very hard to say i would be very fascinated to be able to go back and do it again without the influence of drugs and alcohol, not because I have regrets, but because I would be very fascinated to see whether I would have the same. I mean, it's probably scientifically we could say that absolutely added to it, um, but I don't know whether that was what made it what it was or whether I was already experiencing that and the drugs and alcohol just helped feed it along. I honestly don't know. But, yeah, I think throughout high school, um, and through my teenage years, that was the hardest time for me because I was, like you say, with hormones and everything, I was a very volatile person. Very In personality, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was. And, and I, I actually cringe sometimes to look back on it and I think about the people that, you know, grew up around me um, and friends, you know, that, that spent the most time with me. They've seen a lot of that. Um, obviously, a lot of them are still around. So, yeah, because um, <laughs> you're such a lovely human. <laughs> well, some of them aren't. Some of them did move on, um, and not. And I don't want to say it was because of my actions. I think we're all going through stuff, and people tend to grow in part ways naturally. Um, but I think, as my own self critic, I do look back. Like I don't think I was ever a horrible person, but um, I get a little bit embarrassed thinking about, you know some of the issues that I dealt with yeah um, yeah I can absolutely relate to that I mm. have many non-proud moments <laughs> to reflect on sometimes and <laughs> yeah. think about I think as a, as a mum now too and I see some mm. things and behaviors happening and you look at them and think like oh why is this happening when I do all yeah. these like wonderful things and you remember what you were like and totally yeah it's yeah. a it's a roller coaster yeah absolutely so when you say 
that you got quite heavy into drugs and alcohol and that was at in school years mm. so when were you doing that at um, parties on weekends or so it started just with I was never really one to go out to big parties and go and um, you know party with random people and do all that kind of stuff I missed kind of a lot of the big popular house party events events I suppose because I what I did do and what I was very blessed with was a very close tight-knit group of friends Um, some of those were older than me so they were say 17 18 when I was 14 so they were friends that um, became like a really solid foundation and a really solid friend group which I could trust and there was a lot of love there was a lot of support um, so I was very fortunate in that. So a lot of my time was spent with those people. Okay, like a um, smaller group of people. Yeah, and... I had some really good uh, close school friends that, you know, that I would spend time with um, who were also going through similar stuff. So I, I seemed to have, you know, a group of people around me that were very supportive and understanding, but also some that were going through similar things. Okay. Um, Do you, did you <laughs> remember talking about it with them much at that age or like – I remember at that age, kind of just, we all knew we had stuff going on, but it wasn't sat around and openly chatted about in a mental health kind of. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was more, we were all just like fumbling through it together. and Numbing together. Yeah. And, and you know what? I look back and I had some really great times and I still have so much love for, you know, all of these people that I spent those years with. Um, I think a lot of them were probably going through, um, harder times than I would have ever known and I think possibly the same on my side of things I think um, I was always quite open about things so people you know especially co- close friends to me knew what I was going through mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was definitely never um, talked about an irrational kind of um, like a healthy way. Healthy way, yeah. <laughs> we never kind of sat around. I was like, I wonder why I reacted that way. Like, it's yeah. also we were just yeah, let's unpack why we're behaving. <laughs> yeah, it was like we were just fumbling through it. We were just all reacting and and yeah, yeah, right. just living life. So, from the woman you've become now, who is amazing and lovely and a wonderful friend and. I think for most people that would meet you would see you as a happy, bubbly, very positive person. And what we've just talked about, Mm. like what was the journey in between that time to... Yeah, so so a lot of my schooling was, as we've talked about, like it was all just very much that um, I was... Just getting through. Yeah, and smoking a lot of pot a lot of the time. So it was pretty much a daily thing for me. That was kind of how I lived my life from about 13 or 14 till about 21 Mm -hmm. um so a lot of that time um I actually don't remember a lot of it I know people from school that I see and I and I bump into them and I think oh shit like I wonder um what they know know or what they think of me because I'm I'm not that person anymore but it does you know give me that little bit of anxiety that is an anxiety thing right absolutely I have the same thing if I see someone and I start thinking like or you overthink it and yeah. you leave and you wonder what yeah. they remember of you and they're probably just doing their shopping and yeah. not thinking about it. And they're probably, you know, for some of them, probably doing the same thing. Because yeah. you forget that as much as this is my story and this has been my life, they have their own story. They had their own shit going on. They may, you know, may be thinking back on what who they were and feeling a similar way. Mm. I mean, obviously yeah. there's probably not, you know, 
you know, not everybody, but yeah, um, to most, an extent. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we all grow a lot from who we were as a teenager to an adult. So it's, you know, yeah. we probably shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. No, but, I don't yeah. think so. So I also had this really great habit of um, jumping from relationship to relationship. Oh, yes. <laughs> so yeah. I was one of those girls. I was very much did. I hated being alone. I never wanted to be alone. Yeah. Uh, and my friends were kind of um, my saving grace for that as well. I had, you know, a really good group of friends, as I said. So I'd spend most of my time with them. But I then got to a point where I became reliant on, uh, you know, boyfriends and, and stuff like that. So I did spend the later years of my teenage life um, in relationships. In some of the earlier ones, um, I say ones, there was one in particular, that I did experience um, a lot of cheating on his part. So that became just another insecurity, another thing that I, you know, hated about myself was that I wasn't good enough. I was obviously, you know, never pretty enough. I was never enough. Yeah. So that all this kind of, you know, experience and things that were happening just kept solidifying this horrible self-worth or lack of self-worth that I had. And the little Um, inner critic in your head telling you that you're not good enough and that's why this is happening. Yeah, exactly. So that, you know, if I look at that, he wasn't a bad person by any means. He was, you know, a young teenager who was going being, you know, a young boy. So, but, you know, that had its effects. Um, I um, ended up being in a relationship with a very wonderful man, boy at the time. Um, and we spent the majority of my later teens and in my early 20s together. Um, we, I absolutely adored him. He was wonderful. But if I look at that now, was it a healthy relationship? Probably not. We were smoking a lot of pot together. We weren't really, you know, moving in any sort of direction, um, which is what was in the end, um, in the end that was... I guess the pivotal moment for me, I got to a point where I just was sick of my own shit. Mm-hmm. Like I just got so sick of doing the same stuff all the time, not living my life, you know, going home every night after work and trying to, you know, source my next high. And it just got to a point where we were, in my heart, I felt like we were just stagnant and we were just holding each other down in this pit of nothing yeah (laughs) and as much as I adore and love him he and I at that point in time were not going anywhere fast so I had to really look at myself and think well I think at that point is when I reevaluated everything that was the most pivotal moment for me in my life I looked at that and I thought as much as I love this person as much as I would love to work through this together and pull us both out of where we're at I had never had the ability or the time to actually work on myself. So even if we had come out of that, I still had so much work that I needed to do on myself. I'd never been alone. I'd never experienced, you know, independence. I'd never, you know, I'd just been in this roundabout. And I just had never really broken out of that. So I made the very hard decision to to leave him, which Mm -hmm. was still to this day probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, And he took it didn't you know obviously take it very well it was what I had to do and from that point I just made a vow to myself that that was the changing point for me so I was just I guess at that point I just decided that marijuana was no longer a daily habit yeah 
I decided I just needed to kick that. That was probably what was creating a lot of my problems. I became quite depressed and reliant on it. So I decided that that was... Was that hard to kick as something, I guess, that you'd been leaning on for comfort for so long? That would be... It was probably one of the hardest things. More so because it was so prevalent in my life. Like I did it every day without fail. Like Like every day... For years in the evenings or like all, um, I I would never go. So when I got a proper job, I would never go to work high. It was one thing I could never do. It, I, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would never wake up in the morning and do it before work. But every night, throughout the night, like from close of business through to bedtime, um, weekends or weekend. Okay, it was just daily. Like yeah. there was no day off. So that, that was quite an achievement to ditch then. Yeah, I think it was. It was quite interesting because throughout the years, I would be the one trying to rally everybody to give up. So we'd get together and would be, you know, setting up our next smoke. And I'd be going right, like we can kick this. Like we'll just we'll finish this stuff that we've got now, and then we'll, you know. And I was yeah. always just like had this part of me that knew that this wasn't my life. And I just always knew that it wasn't how I wanted to live. But I think in the moment it was always tomorrow. So it was always... Mm-hmm. Um, put, up, put off dealing with it. Yeah, like let's get high and talk about how we're going to... Stop getting this. high. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next day, you know, you'd make this plan for the next day and you'd be like, right, you know, this, it's day one. And it was always... And even just saying that, I get that same feeling, like it's day one. And you would go through your work day and in the morning you'd feel kind of okay and you'd be like, right, gearing up for you know, not smoking not pot, smoking tonight, pot yeah. tonight. And then you'd get throughout the day and I can still feel it. Like you get to a certain point of the day where your whole mind and narrative just starts flipping. And it's like, okay, well, what if, you know, I just had one tonight? Like, what if we just really limit it? And we'll just, yeah. and then you just slowly, you know, talk yourself out of why today can't be day one. And so after work, you would be at the point where, you're ready to go find it. So how did you <laughs> kick it in the end? Just pure determination? Or? It was it was years of saying day one. So I, I made friends with um, someone who I guess made me see a glimmer of the outside. And I was still with my partner at that stage. So it was, a, it was you know, not a, a love interest, but it was a person who just gave me a sneak peek of yeah, missing out on you. Yeah. And so that planted the seed. And I thought, because for years I had in myself been, you know, trying to get out of it, I just got sick of making those excuses. And I just got sick of watching everybody else around me just continue to live the same way every day. We wasted so many days just eating food and doing nothing. Yeah. And so I just made that decision. You know, that breaking up with the boyfriend was, you know, one of the hardest parts but also at that point I knew that that was the end of the lifestyle Mm. so it was a double whammy it was like I was losing this person that I love and at the same time I was losing or giving up the lifestyle that I had learned to love that I knew was no good for me so it was kind of a that was a real life changer moment yeah right yeah it was and so from there making those two changes how did you make changes to I guess, gear yourself more of a positive way of life? Were there any tools in particular that you picked up? Yeah, I think at that point I just started ditching every everything. I had got quite interested in um, fitness, so in exercise and physical 
Was that the first time in your life you started training and doing? Yeah, yeah. so in school I was the kind of girl who never bought the PE gear and was running lines. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, and I, I <laughs> smoking on the field. Yeah, exactly, and I hated PE. Like yeah. I just didn't have. I had no interest in sport. I had no interest in any sort of fitness. Um, and a friend of mine actually got me um, into the gym, and I remember just feeling a whole new high it was mm-hmm. kind of like wow you can actually get this kind of feeling uh, replace from the marijuana other, with yeah the from something exercise. other than marijuana so yeah for me it was um physical exercise was a big a big thing that helped mm-hmm. um so yeah physical ex- exercise became um, a massive outlet for me and to this day it's it's my biggest outlet and it's quite interesting because it helped solve a lot of my problems because okay. it helped with the whole distorted body image. It helped with right. the depression. It helped with anxiety. It helped with kind of everything that I'd been going through. It was almost like a best friend that I didn't know existed, but it was kind of right in front of my nose. Yeah, right. Um, but a healthy version of of everything. Know, like, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. So it became, um, yeah, the replacement for all of the yeah. negative. It was kind of solved by this one new hobby that I found. Yeah, it's a strange thing, the gym, because I have a similar story. I wasn't ever into fitness as a child or certainly not a mm. teen. Like, I wasn't doing that, even young 20s. But once I found it, it's like a place you can go and know that you're going to come out feeling better. Yeah, and totally. it's like a burst of or release of stress like almost you can just go and dump it there and Mm, (laughs) leave again but there's also the point of sometimes getting to the gym like I find the motivation even though you know this like and it does all these great things Mm. it's still hard to get out of bed sometimes or it's still hard to you know yeah make it happen totally what do you do to get yourself there I think for me um as much as I do have that I think my my drive for what I for what it gives me and the the knowing that when I don't go how I feel that's enough for me to just go like and I know that sounds really kind of um unhelpful because it's like well you know what about people that you know need that motivation to me the motivation is my mental health and my body image so you're staunchly dedicated to keeping your mental health in check it keeps me sane like Mm -hmm. if I don't go it's not like if I don't go to the gym I lose the plot Mm -hmm. but if I go a week or two with no exercise I really feel a difference or a shift in my mental health Mm -hmm. and it's like any outlet like if you don't have that outlet then it starts to bottle up and it starts to you know have all these negative effects so I just can't afford to not be doing something like that because I love it like the I don't necessarily do it because I want to look great but I know that everything that I get from it is helping in all these different aspects of my life Mm. and what I've been dealing with that it's like the magic potion it's like not how you look but it's how it makes you feel yeah and that's another thing that by getting out of an eating disorder what you eventually learn is that it actually isn't important how you look it's not about being skinny or not having any fat on your, you know, on your hips or on your arms. It's about if you actually look after yourself and look after your body and your mental health, then you don't dwell on that kind of stuff. Because mm, you feel good anyway. Yeah. I think it's funny. I thought about that myself. I've gone up and down in body shape 
Mm. probably since being pregnant I was always very thin as a younger person and always remarked on for that and then when you don't get remarked on for it then it's like oh yeah (laughs) what's happened here and then even up to a few years ago I got super fit and lost a bunch of weight and still wasn't happy I didn't yeah I got to that goal weight that I'd always had in that goal fat percentage and weird. Like, what? I wasn't that what? day I wasn't <laughs> the sun didn't come out yeah. and everything was like all magical like there was no prize there was no yeah. there was nothing it was mm. just yeah it's a false um false economy I think yeah, absolutely and then you wonder what it's all for you're like why do we care if someone looks at us and thinks <laughs> Yeah. You know, that her stomach isn't perfectly flat or her arms yeah. aren't thin enough. Like, who gives a shit? Mm. And it's easy to say that now, and I yeah. know that. Like, I I hate the thought of people going through this, you know, as a young person because it is the hardest thing, but you do have to learn all that yourself. Like, I don't think there's a book that you can learn that from. No. You can have tools. You can have people's, you know, input. You can have people saying the same bit of advice to you over and over again, but until you get there yourself, it really is a journey. What advice would you have for anyone struggling with all of the experiences that you have had? I'm very happy with where I am in my life. I've got a loving partner who I chose um, for myself, not because I was jumping from one to the next, but because I'd done five or six years of really, I I say hard work, but just self, I guess self-work. And that I spent time on my own. I learned how to be alone. I learned how to love myself. I can now spend hours, days on my own and be really quite content. Really working through your own shit would be um, the best advice because that's, that's essentially how I got out of all of that. And I think as well, knowing that every other person is also experiencing shit mm-hmm. and working it out for themselves. Yeah. Like, I think once you learn that you're not the only weird, crazy one or the only one that feels this way, then there's some mm. understanding, like a mutual understanding around people, yeah. right? Which is why I think it's really important um, for people like you doing what you're doing is, you know, giving people a platform, giving um people something to listen to where they can you know I guess realize that they're not alone and that everybody goes through stuff like that you might look at someone and think they've got everything together Mm. um but you don't know their backstory so it's like for someone like me who I have two you know pretty good jobs I've got a really happy home life I'm engaged I'm you know looking at starting the next phase in in our lives together and Everything that I've got now is what I suppose at one point in my life I dreamed that I, oh I thought that I could never have. Mm, so like the stability you were looking for when absolutely. you made all those life changes, you're there now. You've yeah. done the work, and here you are. And like that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it would just be yeah. I guess going back in full circle, the advice would be just to love yourself and be there for yourself and do the work yourself because as much as you will get advice from people and as much as that's all very helpful and everything that I've learned you know from childhood to teenagehood to now has helped towards that mm-hmm. and having the support and love of people around you I think essentially it comes down to the work that you put in to yourself. Yeah. Um, so people might be thinking how do I do the work then like what is that involved like reading books or talking I think to people personally I think it's just facing stuff like to me it was 
anything uncomfortable, anything that, you know, I, I have spent nights where I've lay awake in bed and gone through, you know, not, not dwelling on the past, but just going over how I think something affected me or how you know like for example that first comment I made about that girl who made that you know I didn't always know that that was the root of my eating disorder but it took me really analyzing and looking over what I was thinking what I was feeling where that stemmed from why have I got this narrative you know where did that come from so I think it's putting the time in to actually figure out why it is that you feel this way and then work on erasing that because it is a narrative it is something that we've created for ourselves you know whether it be a teacher that told you that you weren't smart enough or a you know an ex-boyfriend that said that you were worthless like whatever it is somehow that grabs onto us and it starts festering and it starts you know butting its head throughout your life and there are all these little things that enforce that or reinforce that and you just have to I guess put the work in to try and eliminate as much of that as possible. Mm. Or understanding why it's there and how to manage it, I guess, in a way that doesn't crop up Mm. and give you problems along the way. Yeah, so I think with stuff like alcohol and drugs, it can be really easy to rely on those. But I think if you face problems head on and you get rid of all the stuff that's helping you mask that, I think that's where the best work is done. Mm. And the most long-lived work because that kind Mm. of – it's more like a growth time than a Mm. numbing time right yeah yeah and I think don't be afraid to challenge yourself and I don't mean like put yourself out there and do things that make you feel uncomfortable but challenge your mind and challenge why it is that you know you're feeling this way stop making excuses for yourself and the more that you and you know the the more that you I guess delve into who you are Mm. um the more that you can work through and Hopefully come out the other end. Some new insights and things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also important to note that you're comparing your growth against your younger and former self rather Mm -hmm. than against the person across from you or your friend or the hot girl at the gym that you think has the best bod or whatever. Everyone's got these things going on and you can't compare to someone else's story. You can only compare to how you felt five years ago. And like your story is amazing. You're feeling in a much better place. So that's an upward trend and that's what we're going for. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Steph. You're more than welcome. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's been wonderful. So if you want to learn more about my blogs or listen to more podcasts, you can do that on thejwordnz.co.nz. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. I hope you can take away some tips and tricks that will help you on your journey.